What a Woman, conversations with powerful women who share powerful stories. This podcast was created by me, your host, Caroline Lyons, and my friend and producer, Sarah Benner, two mums searching for inspiration. And we hope you'll be inspired too. Welcome back to the What A Woman podcast and thank you for choosing this podcast. It really means a lot to us. And if you're new to the podcast and it's your first episode, then welcome. It's great to have you with us. So today we're finishing off our women's health season with the absolutely lovely Mae Ferris, a highly experienced yoga practitioner and founder of Ebb and Flow, where she offers a range of classes in yoga, Pilates and forest bathing. She hosts many varied workshops and retreats, and she has designed a well-being program especially for women called Seasonal Soul, which spans the seasons of the year. Now, Maeve had a successful career in human resources and learning and development in London and in Dublin before she decided to leave the rat race behind and follow her heart to become a leading yoga professional in her home of County Kerry. So we talk about this change and starting her own business and, of course, all the benefits of yoga. We're also very grateful to Maeve for sharing that she's recently discovered she has ADHD. And as Maeve is only just processing this herself, we really appreciate her openness. Many girls with ADHD are missed at a young age and therefore more women are discovering that they have it later in life. So it's really great to open up the conversation about it so we can be more understanding about ADHD and the strategies to manage it. Now we met at Maeve's favourite local beach called Banner, which if anyone knows Banner, it is spectacular but very windy. So please bear with a few glitches in the sound at times. You're going to feel like you were with us on the beach. It's clear from our conversation that everything Maeve does is with the intention of making a difference to the world and everyone she meets. And she will make a difference to all of you who are listening today. I found hearing her talk about yoga almost as relaxing (laughs) as doing it myself. So sit back or rather lie back on your yoga mat or your own little island as Maeve refers to it. Breathe and enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, May. We're finally much. getting going now. Um, so we're going to come on to talk about um, sort of your expertise in yoga and general well-being. Um, but I thought it'd be nice to start with going back a bit in time. And so you travelled and you came on to have quite mm. a, a sort of a full-on career in, in HR. Is that is that yeah, right? Yeah, HR and learning and development. Mm. Um, my first kind of step in the career ladder was in St James's Gate in Dublin, which is quite iconic. Um, so I spent a year there in HR and I didn't love it, I'll be honest. <laughs> it was quite, I think I didn't fit. I found it very corporate, but then people, you know, who worked there didn't. It was just so different to life for me. I come from working in a bar to, to that. Um, so I moved to London with them on the second rotation into recruitment. And that was faster pace and I enjoyed it more. And I was living in London. It was, it was great. And a few of us had moved over from Dublin in the grad programme. And... Um, then I met somebody in Diageo, she was a man, like a HR manager, a HR business partner and she was telling me about this old job she had with a bar company and she was their training manager and I was like, you have bar companies? What is this you speak of? Uh, so they have like bar chains, you know, like Witherspoons, but this one was Pitcher and Piano owned by Marston's Breweries yeah. and she said, oh, you might like working there because I was saying, oh, I, don't, I don't know about working here, this doesn't really suit me. So she got in contact with them and they actually had a job available as the training um, and recruitment manager. So they interviewed me and they hired me. So I spent a year with them and that was great because I learned 
ropes from you know people who've been in that business for 40 years and about the age of 30 I had a mad inkling to come home it hit me like a wall I was one of those who was like Kerry's so dull what are you living there for yeah but those pains in the arses who come home once a year at Christmas telling everyone how great Australia was you know one of them I just couldn't I was like I want out of London I'm done so I applied for a couple of jobs in Dublin and I moved into a sports retailer who shall remain nameless <laughs> and I did not enjoy being working there they'd come out of a recession there was no money and I also realized that the job was more coordination mm -hmm. times planning and therein lay the problem so I was constantly messing up I'm really bad with times and scheduling and planning and um, I didn't realize that at the time how, how bad it was so it was a struggle so I quit and I had another job lined up in Sky in Sky TV and I loved it we hired another guy to work with me and he had all the things I didn't which was great you know, I'm Brilliant. creative and I think big picture stuff and I was really good at like looking at a project mapping out kind of where to start here and get to here but because of the way my brain works I don't really understand obstacles so if you say oh we can't do it that way I'd be like but why not like can we not just do it that way instead and I would have quite a creative solution to things um whereas he was really steady he was really good with the team he was patient whereas I was so changeable and fast-paced that trying to work for a manager like that when you're not that way inclined is a nightmare so he was so helpful like he was my rock <laughs> mark um it's great to have someone with oh, complimentary skills as well kind of a yin and yang total kind of and utter like it was yeah. brilliant and that was what made it successful because mm -hmm. one had what the other didn't and i um, wonder i mean if if we we might t touch on it now because mm -hmm. i suppose that that's drawing on some of the the your your skills and the way you think mm. is also down to I think you've, you've recently discovered you have ADHD. Is that yes. Right? Yeah. Um, and I know this is I think it's a quite a new thing. So I and I'm sensitive that you're probably mm. still kind of processing, processing <laughs> yeah. it yourself. But I think it would be helpful to talk about it because I'm sure mm. listeners will may resonate and. Um, I think if you're comfortable. Yeah. I'll talk a little bit about it. Just yeah. I suppose it's just that thing of, of you know as I said you, you've got your way of thinking. It's not mm. always. Fit, fitting in with say the, the norm say in an office environment mm. on, and that's quite quite difficult I mean mm. I just wanted to, did you what sort of prompted the diagnosis I suppose and, and was it difficult was mm. it straightforward to get or yeah I think my own jury is out a little bit on it to be honest and that's not to take from anyone else I can only speak from my thoughts and my experience on it so and it is a spectrum I think I mm. guess I'm probably managed quite well to this point so um I don't know if it'll prompt me to do anything different than I already do because I've learned so many coping mechanisms and skills and also part of me is starting to wonder what is normal anyway are we not all on a, on a spectrum Absolutely. of some kind yeah. that's not to um that's not to put down or belittle anyone who's had extreme you know a lot of intense issues with it or really struggles with it I'm just speaking from my point of view that because my brain works slightly differently but sure so does yours and so does yours and mm -hmm. that's the yeah. joy of being human and I'm starting to wonder with more and more people being diagnosed I did ask a psychologist about this you know why and she said it's availability of testing is number one so there's going to be a, f a flood of people moving through so we don't really know the natural run rate of how many people will have it until it settles down and then I'm starting to wonder do we you know is it really a thing mm. is and it just what prompted you to, to get yourself mm. um, a, somebody who comes to my yoga class and spoke to me about their own diagnosis and I I always noticed that they were late for class which is not a problem because I'm generally late for everything that was one of the 
<laughs> one of the things that it's like mm, maybe and she would be quite flustered about different <laughs> things and so they spoke to me about it um and i was interested i was just asking questions about it and the more they were saying about this what i guess they would call symptoms um i was like yeah that sounds very familiar so there's that so there's that and light bulbs started going off and they were saying what they struggled with and i was like mm, yes and I sort of knew there was a bit of kindred spirits thing going on. So I went home and I started Googling, as you do, onto Dr. Google. And um, Google had, I found a, a short self-assessment. And I did this self-assessment. I was like, well, that would explain quite a bit, wouldn't it? Um, so I've always struggled with timekeeping. Um, I'm, I'm very forgetful with times. Um, dates, oh. I have frequently shown up too early, too late. Wrong places. This is really common. I can't remember birthdays. Um, I repeat that, say if we said we're meeting at 11, I'm like, okay, 11 o'clock. And I'll have to put a reminder in the diary the night before the morning of on that day. to, And that might not even guarantee that I'll show up because I can get absorbed. And say if I was down the beach and I knew I'd meet you at 11 o'clock, but I met someone down the beach at half 10, I could completely forget where I am and what's happening and get absorbed mm. in the conversation and then look down at the quarter past 11. Like, oh my God, I'm late. So there's this lurching through time. So time mm. seems to be elastic mm. for me mm -hmm. um, and I've always known that but that's been difficult because people would be like she's so rude she never shows up on time you know or why can't you be on time if I've heard that once I've heard it 10,000 times mm -hmm. um, so there are many other things I mean um, forgetfulness like yeah. my short-term memory is really poor um, like to the point where I've always said you know if I lose my memory when I get older, no one would probably even notice. <laughs> Just the same. Um, so I would have very poor short-term memory. I would frequently ask questions like, was I there? Because with like, ADHD, I suppose you'd automatically kind of think that hyperactivity. Mm, um, the hyperactivity, it tends to be from the little bit I know. So I'm not an expert. I need to caveat that. Um, but tends to be more male. Um, so not every guy with ADHD will display hyperactivity but hyperactivity might also be in your head and I definitely have that I will bounce I the only way I can compare it to is like back in the day when there was like nightclubs of loads of different rooms with different styles and genres of music it's like that it's like wandering from mm. room to room and every one of them are different yeah so I will jump from topic to topic I will lose my my train of thought quite quickly um my association with things is quite strange so it will appear like I've completely changed topic but I've seen something that would have triggered it and I'd have bounced um, and do you find yeah. with relationships, like say, with friendships and romance, I suppose, if if you're kind of describing yourself like that, do you get bored easy then? It can happen. Yeah. <laughs> like Friendships less so. It can happen in relationships, but I have been aware of it this last while. I would have called it my two-year itch. Mm. Um, so I've been aware of it, so I've been able to... I think some of it is, you know, when you pass the honeymoon period of things. So normally about the two years in most relationships, you know, shit gets real. <laughs> you have to knuckle down and work through some stuff. And I would have had a, an eject button that was quite strong. That's too much work. Bounce out of it. And interestingly, when I did the assessment lately and I went back to the psychologist to give you the, the feedback afterwards. And she said, anytime you struggled with a question, you just, you're like, pass. She said, you didn't try. And I was like, yeah, because I knew I couldn't do it. And she said, were you always like that? And I was like, yeah, if I'm not good at something, I'm gone. I will. That said, then other people would be like, but you're so persevering. Like, mm. it depends, I think, on if I'm really interested in something, I'll stick at it. If I don't see the point in something, and that's, I don't mean that in relation to relationships, but I'm like, I'm out. Mm. So I did have a two-year bounce period. 
but I've worked on that a lot. Like I've been very aware of it. So, you know, my last relationship haven't been like that at all. You know, stuck at things and worked on things. Even when I and I, w I wonder, I mean, just reading mm. about your header today, uh, it's cropped up quite a lot that you've sort of, I felt you felt this weight of not, or not feeling good enough. Mm since childhood which I think just in general a lot of us girls will relate to but I think mm. I wonder if this this might help explain some of that as well because mm. obviously you're going to be hard on yourself when mm. maybe you give up on things or things you know things have been difficult mm. because of these reasons and you might not have always had the coping strategies mm. I mean you probably developed those you were mm. older so I wonder if that if it does exp explain some of that that feeling you've had. Mm. I mean, when we spoke to, spoke to Laura Crowley, who talked about her late diagnosis for mm. autism, it's that sort of same as a sense of shame of, of just not not knowing why things don't feel right. Mm -hmm. um, I know for her, it, it, initially it was hard when she found out her diagnosis, but then it kind of liberated her a bit, I think, and made her feel mm. more compassionate towards herself. Mm -hmm. So I wonder. I don't know if the diagnosis would have done that. Again, I'm not even sure I'm comfortable with the word diagnosis because to me that imply, implies illness, disorder. I don't feel any of those things. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, results. <laughs> um, I think what's helped more is I've done a lot of therapy over the years to understand myself. And I have a real interest in psychology and understanding myself and other people. So I think that has helped more, that sense of forgiveness of none of us are perfect. Um, and I, I think it's a, it's like a muscle. It's the more you flex it and develop it, the stronger it gets. It's, it's a practice, you know. I don't think that you reach a point where you're like, I am good enough now, and that is it. <laughs> like mm. for me, that's not how it is. It'll pop up that kind of um, self doubt will pop up sometimes. Like if I have a moment of self doubt or if things don't go my way, I don't go as I would have liked. I'll automatically blame myself. But I've learned mm. to catch that. And like actually, you know, even in a relationship, for example, if there's a there's a breakup, I've been like, what could I have done differently? But I've reached the point now, thankfully, I'm like, actually, it's their shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. there is, of course, some accountability on my part and I will take ownership for that. But I no longer carry that mm -hmm. all myself, which I did used to, um, with a very unrealistic set of expectations on myself. Um, whereas that has definitely settled. But I think it's it's really helpful for us all to hear. I think it's something to work on to get just to that point, like you said, mm. where you can catch yourself because mm. it's so easy to go down. And once that spiral downwards, it's very mm. hard, isn't it, to come back? The further down you it go is. into that negative spiral, mm. I find that myself. Whereas if you can learn to to catch catch it, like mm. you said, yeah. And I think I've developed techniques to to do that. I find writing helps a huge amount because I get distance from my thoughts, so I can write them down. I can get them out of my head. Number mm. one. So they're not kind of swirling constantly. And I read that like we have a, on average a 75 to 80,000 thoughts a day and the vast majority of them are repeated every day. So I think it's about like 90% of them are the same. I keep, I keep thinking that. <laughs> or 95% is really high. So if we have latched onto that, I'm not good enough, that will just keep coming back day in, day out, day in, day out until we can start to see it. So I find writing it down when I'm feeling upset or I'm feeling off about something and often I can see it then go, actually, that's not true. You know, I question myself saying, well, what basis in fact do I have for that? Mm -hmm. If that's how I feel like, yeah. and then that, you know, generally there's none. <laughs> like, yeah. there's none. I find talking to friends and distracting myself. So, um, because... Well, you have lots of hobbies, don't you? I do. Or just get, I find actually being outdoors is probably the most therapeutic thing 
that I can do for myself. Um, I practice mindfulness on the days I can sit still. Um, and I know people will say, well, the days you can sit still, the days you should definitely sit still. Sometimes that's just not possible and I can't, but I find being outdoors, like it's coming to the beach. It's sort of a form of meditation in itself though, isn't it? Mm. Just being out, observing nature yeah. and being part of it, I think. Well, I read some really interesting studies lately and Googling nature-based interventions for ADHD mm. um, because one of the saddest things about speaking to the psychologist and they were saying well on you know based on your assessments and I asked her you know well so what's the form of treatment if there is if I decide to go that route strategies and she said the first line of um, strategies is medication and I was very taken aback by that I was like that's your first port of call I was okay what's what else is there I've coped for 42 years <laughs> I've done quite well thanks I don't you know each to their own but I don't really don't think that's for me um at the moment never say never but then she said oh we've got a support group it's self-managed you know we don't teach strategies you just sort of have people to talk to I was like okay um, what about the strategies and they said yeah we send you an ebook I was like that's great so what if I was somebody who was really struggling with this and had pinned all of my hopes on getting, you know, a diagnosis in that case and getting help and that was the response. I was like, that'd be pretty disappointing on an anticlimax. I was fine with it because I'd kind of been pre-warned by a therapist that, you know, they, you won't be taught these life strategies, they're going to be up to you to find, and I have, you know, all of us have, everyone in the, on the planet is coping strategies for their own stuff. Um, so that was a bit disappointing as to say that was the first line of defense. Mm. A couple of the women I've read about that have had a late diagnosis mm. are now um, sort of coaches for, mm. for people with ADHD mm. and it's not surprising because they've personally had to yeah. develop the strategies, mm. they know what's needed and yeah. then they can help pass those yeah. on in a way. And interestingly that study which is how I went off down that back road um, of the nature-based interventions so because I did uh, um, I'm trained as a forest bathing guide and I found it's really good for people with anxiety so we go, it's like mindfulness in the forest um, and th there's a lot of studies showing that Ritalin would be the main drug that is um, prescribed to ADHD the stimulant which sounds odd because you're already overstimulated but apparently it stimulates you enough to focus on one task at a time and to get things completed it's like a massive cup of coffee was what was the example somebody gave me um, but na being in nature and not hiking and not fast paced but sitting, slowing down had some of the same results as Ritalin did mm -hmm. people were able to focus, get a clearer mind and then all of the studies recommended that there was further investigation and studies but it doesn't seem to have been followed up on from what I could find so I was like it's too easy to pop a pill you know, mm -hmm. that's, we live in it, and I see it all the time when people come to yoga You know, they are in pain, they go and they get cortisol injection but they don't change their life you know and you just need another cortisol injection and they'll stop working and some of them don't work at all so you've got to make some changes and being outside and spending more time outside is a lifestyle change it takes effort it takes a change of habit but if it brings you the same potentially for some people the same results as taking medication that is short-lived in effect then I know what I'd rather choose mm -hmm. for myself yeah. you know and I suppose the other thing is, even if, I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously if, if whatever people need, if people need medication, that's, mm, that's, totally. that's great if it helps them. But it, it's prohibitively expensive in Ireland is the mm. other thing. 
and if people need a formal diagnosis I think from a psychiatrist to be able to get the medication yes. so you know if you're in that position that's very difficult for people but so if in the meantime they can find mm. alternatives like you say like the, if it, yeah being outside the forest making different things to help them mm. you know um, yoga and mindfulness are also recommended which um, was no surprise obviously enough but interesting how I found my way to it without knowing you yeah. know, it. so that was quite interesting and the psychologist who had spoken to me afterwards um, it was quite nice to hear she said you know you seem like you found the right career for yourself even if you hadn't realized it she was like what was a nine to five like for you and I was like well one it was always half nine by the time I arrived and it was about eight o'clock before I left so I was like you know there was no nine to five in it for me but I found the relentless meetings and having to be switched on all day um, and I was probably uh, I would say disruptive sometimes in meetings because I was if I didn't see the point of me being there I could be like do I have to you be sure? here <laughs> like quite blunt like do I have to be here can you guys just send me the minutes of this because like I'm really busy do I have to be here so and I think in school it was the same I was a massive distractor so when I wasn't interested or I find something easy like um there was a, a girl from who sat beside me, Trina. Poor Trina. She was torturing like. <laughs> because I would pick it up and she'd be trying to listen as everyone else was. But I was like, oh, I don't like this subject. So I would just torture her, trying to talk to her a mess. And I met an old teacher lately, um, biology teacher. And he came down. I met him here on the beach. I just ran into him and he was like, Jesus, how are you doing? We had a great chat. I spent most of biology sitting right in front of him by myself. He brought me up to the top oh, and I used to sit under his nose on my own because it wouldn't stop distracting everyone else. The home economics teacher gave up on me. She put me down. I had got an A too in a home economics. She put me down the back folding tea towels. Mm. Now, in a way, it was probably the best thing to do because it gave me something to do. So I'd be folding tea towels, listening. But if I didn't have something to do, I'd be like, what are you doing? And, and, and just passing notes Were and generally you fidgety? Is that kind of one of the things? I don't think I'm massively fidgety. Yeah. But then you might watch this back and like she hasn't stopped moving. I don't know. But they do say well, from what I was reading, obviously there, there's that there's a couple of aspects to it. Mm. There's hyperactivity, but there's also inattentive, which is what girls tend to yes. be. So again, it just dis displays differently in girls, which is why so many have been missed over, over mm. the years. And this is when girls can be perhaps daydreaming mm. in, in their own world, as you yeah. kind of and distracted. Mm. Um, and you know this wouldn't have been I presume you're looking back thinking these are the things that would have perhaps been been the signals but obviously back in that at that time no you know, like and nobody knew it's I'm not blaming anyone I'm not kind of saying geez my teachers and my parents should have picked it up it wasn't a thing no one knew it was just I was a chatterbox and in a way I'm thinking back on this a little bit over the last week was it a bad thing for me because if I had known mm -hmm. what I have not put myself forward for things would I have said I'm not good at that I'm not going to do it because that is my tendency anyway so you know like that job in Sky would I have said oh I'm not going to be able to manage that it's there's too much you know going on I'll get overwhelmed and I did get overwhelmed plenty of times in it but I wonder would it have held me back in some ways I'll never know because that's how I live my life and it, it's done now um how or do you would it, about it now? Um, to be honest, it's grand. Yeah. Like, I know it's such an Irish thing to say, it's grand. Yeah. Initially, it was a bit like, oh, that explains a bunch of stuff. But when I had said to my Clive, a very small group of very close friends, and when I'd said to them I was going in, I said, Girls, I think I might have ADHD. And they were like, Yeah, we know. <laughs> I was like, Did well, no one, no one thing to fucking tell me? <laughs> and they were like, It's not really a thing we can tell you. You have to, they were, Yeah, of course. 
And I said, well, how do you, like, I'm always late. And like, yeah, but we love you anyway. It doesn't matter. We know you're going to be late. So it's fine. And then my family would do things like lie to me about times. Yeah. So if we were meeting at one o'clock, they'd say half twelve. And then the odd time I can be a bit random because I'll show up sometimes like, where is everyone? We got the wrong day. <laughs> There's a constant panic of where am I supposed to be? Um, but, you know, I've managed like things like I've mentioned, scheduling is really difficult. So in my own business, for example, I um, during COVID, I signed up to a booking system. So I was, why didn't I do this years ago? I never knew what was going on. Sorry to all of my lovely students listening. I never knew where you were supposed to be or who was going to show up when or who had paid or not. So there was a lot of that faking it, pretending like I knew what was going on. I trust people. You know, most younger people are lovely. So you, actually going back, you so you had your job in Dublin mm. and then... Oh, sorry, I jumped a bit. No, not at all. And then, so you obviously decided then to move yeah. and change up. So what made you do that? There was an option of redundancy. Uh, it was voluntary redundancy initially. And then I was like, yeah, yeah I'm going to take that. Uh, I had six years service there. And I was like, I had been practicing yoga a lot of the time. Um, and I had done my yoga teacher training um, in Dublin. And I was teaching part time on top of the day job. Like I didn't have enough to do. But I was teaching in Sky to my colleagues. And I was really enjoying it. And I was thinking, maybe I want to get out. Um, and much like that call that brought me home when I was 30, I was 36 and I had this massive draw home to carry. And I was thinking maybe I could do this and just start a whole new life and get away from this, you know, really long hours and this, this stressful corporate life. Um, and I was practicing yoga about four or five times a week. It was like my way out. Um, and I ended up developing new friends out of it and just had a whole new world open up really. Um, and I took the redundancy and I said, I'll move home to Kerry. Everyone was like, you're out of your mind. I did, I'd organized a couple of jobs in Dublin um, after the redundancy came about and I went went to interview and I got second round interviews and I didn't go to any of them, I canceled them. I was like, I can't, this isn't right. I don't want to be here anymore. The lease in my house was up at the same time. It was like the perfect storm. Um, the job had finished. I was about to and I was like I'm never going to get an opportunity to just walk away as easily as now and I got a redundancy package so I came home to Kerry and moved back in beside my parents at home my granny's old cottage and I'd applied for jobs in Kerry you know doing what I was doing in HR training and development and there were a lot of coordinator jobs we know from the past how my coordination skills are and the type of really cool project-based psychology job that I was after was not down here. Mm -hmm. um, and I got a lot of, you're overqualified, you know, you're way ahead of our, the, the way of thinking, we're not there yet, we'd love to talk to you in five years, you know, that kind of stuff. So I had a, a job with an external um, contractor that used to work with Sky. I was designing learning for them online, they were based in the UK. So that kept me tipping over for a while, but again, I was like, I just want to teach yoga now. I don't want to do this anymore. So I quit with him again. Madness it was the only stable job I had. What was going through? What were you sort of telling yourself at that time when others might have been saying, "Oh my"? The weirdest thing was I knew I could do it. It was like this quiet voice was like, "You can do this. I know I can do this." I've always been quite good at spotting niches and things. Um, Again, I suppose this maybe my brain might be wired slightly differently, but I was like, I, I just had this really, for the first time in probably years, I had this quiet self-belief. So it was like, I can do this. And sure, what if I can't? There was no minimal investment. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't like I was taking out a premises or, um, so I started just teaching two classes a week 
and there was only two people in them and I kept at it and that grew and in Dublin there was a really strong yoga scene like there was mm. loads of events and stuff happening all the time and Trillian was quieter there was some really great local yoga teachers been teaching a long time um, but they didn't do a lot of I suppose pop-up events and, and workshops and stuff so I threw myself headlong into it the work ethic I had learned in corporate environment just travelled with me good and bad and um, it meant I set the business up and it was successful very quickly but the downside was that I was just distressed yeah. and everyone was like but you're, you're living the dream hashtag living the dream I was like I'm so exhausted because I just worked the same level and you're freelance so it's everything you're, da- ev- you're doing no everything off. no and you're wearing every hat like your finance your marketing your everything and I didn't know anything about running my own business I hadn't done it before so so how have you coped with that stress would you are you get getting mm-hmm. to I mean, are you at a place now where... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't have been only for COVID, funnily enough. When the pandemic hit, we all worked less because I was at home. I was teaching online. Didn't love that part in the initial stages because I'd worked so hard. Three years of blood, sweat and tears to set that business up. It was booming. And I was doing better than I had been in Sky, you know, and I, I'd done this all creative on myself. So I was really proud of it. And then overnight, the rug was pulled under my feet. So I struggled to accept that. Um, and I railed against it. I was, I didn't change the business that quickly online. You know, lots of people were like, okay, we'll just flip it online and we'll embrace it. And whilst I did that outwardly, inwardly, I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. So I was resistant towards it. Um, I got some help from sales and marketing coaches and um, yeah, I got lots of help in that regard and I did courses on it. And so it slowly got there. Um, that was, that was tough, but it, provided me more downtime and because everything sort of paused that that spring mm. I sat there thinking is this what I want to do anymore like do I I came here to be less stressed I moved home to be less stressed to have a better quality of life honestly I don't know if I do um you know what's what's all this for so I it, it was really good from that point of view it gave me time to rethink it didn't give me a lot of time to sit because I don't so I <laughs> then um, created an online program for women so I'm really proud of that that's coming into its third year now it's called Seasonal Soul and it's all the things I wish I'd known when I worked in Sky it's all the things I wish I had been able to incorporate that I needed in my life that I have now like yoga mindfulness nature connection connection with people who are like me um, really teaching women how to take time for themselves but it was a process by writing that program and creating it I had to do it so it was almost an accountability thing Mm. Um, and it has quite a lot of psychology in it Um, so and I loved it like that's a big part of my business now and I absolutely adore it Um, and then also during lockdown then because I was sitting in the front garden without a lot to do just too much time to create ideas um, myself and my then partner decided we'd open a cafe. Sure, what else would you be doing? Um, we had thought about it pre-COVID and almost taken a lease out on a, on a building and decided that it wasn't right for us um, for many reasons. And then during COVID, the idea came back again. I was like, I think we could do this. And that quiet voice kicked in again. I was like, you can do it. I was like, okay. So um, during lockdown, I drove around, we drove around the country looking at different units and mobile units and um, found a caravan and a little old 1982 vintage caravan that was semi-converted um, and I drove it down from way up the country somewhere and within so 
when I was in the ADHD assessment, they asked me was I impulsive and I had asked my friends this and I didn't think I was and they laughed hysterically at this. So an example of that would be we bought the cafe and opened it in two weeks or something, three weeks and everyone was like, what just happened? I was like, yeah, but I've been thinking about it for ages. <laughs> so that's an example of like impulsivity of where there's so much going on in my head at such a speed. I've thought about it from like I had business plans designed, I had menus done, I had costings, I had suppliers set up in weeks. It was I suppose done. It's, it, you know, it's important to highlight there are the positives to, to totally. ADHD, which are this, 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 as you said, this There's creative big idea, this empathy yeah. kind of hyper focus that actually yeah. that these are some the, the hyper focus, yeah, like this. I lived and breathed it, like, um, and there was no way because of that not feeling good enough. That, in a way, is its own positives too. Is that I struggled to allow myself to fail. That's good and bad. But I was like, it's not going to fail because I'm going to put enough work into this to get it across the line, and we did. Uh, so, so if you if you were to give epic. someone advice about if they wanted to start their own mm. business, or I mean, obviously you've talked about this quiet voice and mm. this inner knowing, maybe. Mm. I mean, is it a case of listening to that? What advice would you give people out there that that, that have these burning ideas that maybe don't have some of yours because actually get things off the ground? Mm. Loads of advice. Um, one is listen to your intuition like it's it's very rarely wrong our head gets in the way i think more often than mm. that so and then it's always listen to your intuition how do you do that i write it down like i try and get my head out of the way listen to my heart like sit, literally sit and meditate be quiet listen to what you've got to say um i research things like i so i i like to say i take risks but they're calculated so to everyone else that look risky but i'd already phoned five or six people around the country and done this already um i'd ask them openly how did they do it what were their challenges what would they do differently um i had researched the market i'd actually done market research down here i'd taken a clipboard one day and spoke with the people about what they'd like and what they didn't like i'd sit sat there and watched the amount of traffic coming in out of the car park like i put in the groundwork to do it um asking for help like a lot of adhd is about the things you can't do it seems which i don't really like I like the fact that there's you know a strength focused option so my strengths are creativity and ideas generation um, and the speed at which I can move at I'm horrendously bad at finances figures maths I struggle with them so I got an accountant the minute I landed to Kerry so everyone else is like but you're a small yoga business I'm like yes I am but I cannot do this alone so what you're not good at farm out and Sky taught me that you know like there's a team of people you don't have to do it alone even if you're self-employed um, and I use the example of like in the Olympics the world's most talented athletes all have coaches mm. and we forget that you know like we see them as having it all and being the best in the world at something but they only got there with the help of other people yeah. um, who supported them so why would you not ask for help um, in you know all aspects where you, where you need it so realizing what you're not good at and outsourcing the problem is, yeah. is good and for yoga i suppose now i think a lot of listeners tuning in and many will follow you already will probably already love yoga or practice mm. but for perhaps others listening that maybe think it's not for them mm. they might be perhaps put off sometimes yeah. thinking i could, sure. I could possibly get my legs mm. in the air anymore you know of a certain um, type of crowd that you know yes. what, what are they missing what what could they be missing yeah um 
So I think saying that you don't like yoga is like saying you don't like vegetables because it's a broad spectrum um, and there are many different types of there's so many different styles of yoga um, and often I think it's down to you gelling with the teacher we like who we like you know your vibe attracts your tribe as they say so try about a few like don't you know if you didn't like yoga once <laughs> you just try again like try somebody else try something else um, there's from the very active to the very slow and relaxing and mindful and the the physical practice that you know downward facing dogs and things we associate with yoga are only one of a multitude of aspects of yoga it's quite a multifaceted um, discipline I suppose maybe the wrong word mat practice a multifaceted one in that you know there's a lot more focus on a connection to something higher than yourself whatever you want to believe that is and um, mindfulness you know there's a whole array um of yoga philosophy behind it and some people get really interested in that aspect of it so the physical part i suppose is the bit that we see on instagram because it's it's instagrammable you know me sitting there quietly talking to myself is not very instagrammable so it doesn't really make the cut does it um you know and it's it's a re- it's a really beautiful practice because there is you know yoga sutras are like almost like a guidance for living a good life, and it's beautiful. It's just about being a good human um, and not causing any harm. And you know if all of us took even that alone from it without being able to get your leg up in the air, that's the bit that matters because it doesn't matter how flexible you are. If quite frankly you're a bit of an ass, <laughs> like <laughs> it's no good to you. <laughs> like, you know you need to be a decent human. Um, so and that's the most important part. If that helps you, what I always say to people who come, you know, yoga does make you sounder because you come in and you're maybe stressed and worried and cranky and carrying stuff that we carry as humans, and then you've a bit of quiet time to yourself. And you just time drop into your own body and think that quiet voice. What's it saying to me? Um, and then you go out feeling a little bit nicer, um, yeah. a little bit sounder, and you have that ripple effect out from you. Yeah, totally. Like, because what you're putting out, you'll attract back in. So when you're feeling calm and more grounded and you know more relaxed, that's the world is going to appear through that lens to you rather than the stressed one, the one that has a lot of worry. It's not going to change your life completely, but then again, maybe it will change mine. So <laughs> um, anxiety is huge now, yeah. and. Yeah, with three children, Caroline's the same. Life is, is hectic. Mm, yeah. But I would do anything to calm my mind. Yeah. Sometimes I think we're put off by... I hear a lot, I can't sit still. So the idea of going to a very slow yoga class will drive a lot of people demented. And that's why I was saying there's so many different styles. So one of the styles I teach is vinyasa. It's how I got into it, is it's fast enough paced. So when there's so much going on and you have to keep up, your brain can't think about anything else it's just happening too fast so you have to focus on one thing and that alone is mindful movement you know and so that starts to slow your thoughts down because really we as women we like to think we can focus on many things at one time and we're probably better at it than our male counterparts however in all reality we really can't focus on more than one thing at one time so when you're solely focused on moving your body and in ways that are new and novel maybe to you that you have to focus and concentrate on then that will slow down your mind towards the end of a class it slows down um even in a vinyasa class because i found that people have slowly unwound over the time and then they can sit still towards the end and you know many people would say that that was what yoga was originally designed for the physical part of it was so that you'd stretch out the tension and the tightness of your body so that you could then sit in meditation for longer periods of time um 
meditation there's again a bazillion different well not that many but a lot of different styles of meditation and some are really helpful for active minds and some are more suited to people who can drop in quite quickly but it's a practice you know um there's benefits on multi layers so physical is probably the most obvious in that you know you'll stretch out tightness you strengthen your body um where you're feeling tight stiff or sore those areas will get some tlc improved posture um is a big one i find because you become more aware of how you're holding your body and say in my yoga for lower backs classes that's predominantly what we're focusing on in terms of physicality is your posture and strengthening different areas to help with that and stretching to areas that are kind of tight because everything is a kinetic chain you know, if one part is too tight it's going to pull on another part and so trying to um, ease that out then beyond the physical um the, the they're harder to explain because everyone will feel it differently um but a lot of people would feel more connected to themselves afterwards so like i've had that time for myself i feel like i've been kind to myself you know self-compassion really and you have an opportunity to do that um, because that space is held for you and then the mental benefits would be um i always call it afterwards there's a bit called shavasana it's the last pose it's a rest pose it's uh, at the very end and everybody likes that one generally um not everyone some people find it hard to sit still in it and that's okay you don't have to sit dead still in it um but that that kind of quiet time is after you've moved and then you start to get to reflect and just be still and even if it's only for three minutes you know most of us do not sit still for three minutes and do nothing um so that's so it has all these different benefits to it it helps with sleep as a result because people are less stressed and anxious um some people find it helps on a physical level um, emotional balance so we get distance from our own lives for a while so you might come in and you're upset after something happened in your day I have to find that that settles a little bit or the other side is that it gets an opportunity to arise so others of us will tend to swallow things down not let it out bottle it up it's a real Irish way isn't it like don't it's feel those feelings everything's grand it's fine yeah we're all fine and so there's a lot of tears get released at the end of a yoga class for some people and that's fine that's just it's all normal there's no so yeah it has many many benefits and that's just what i'm telling you i think it's an experience you have to feel it you have to go and try it for yourself um and like i said if you don't like one style or you're not gelling with the teacher try another one there's so many to try Mm. um and if you like the faster pace you'll find the faster pace some people want really slow um and it differs on every any given day so like that's why I teach a few different styles and a few different paces because you might be like jeez I can't wait now to go and work up a sweat and then the person beside you is like oh I'm allergic to that I want something very quiet and calming today yeah um, but great, isn't it yeah, great that you yeah. get to a point where you might know that about yourself and say okay today I need this today I need that because the mat is like your own little island it's six foot by two and when you practice on that you're the same person there as you are off the mat so if you're that person who beats yourself up in life you're going to beat yourself up on the yoga mat but you might start to learn not to and you might be like actually I don't have to hurt myself constantly I don't have to be pushing to the point of pain if I just pull back a little bit okay that feels okay and now what if I pull back a little bit in my own life um, so you're trying to take some of that philosophy off the mat um, and that's what I try to incorporate like I teach an intention in every class or share an intention and that could be anything from being kind to yourself to you know being aware of your emotions that day it could be anything we can be quite hard on ourselves too I hear that a lot is you know I don't have time and I've people be, in the supermarket people come over literally apologising as to why they haven't been back to yoga I mean, you don't owe me an apology <laughs> we're, like, we're like, like I'll, I'll promise I'll be coming back soon you know I hear that but I'm just so busy 
but it it does come down to priorities and you know that phrase of like if you don't make time for your health you'll be able to make time for your illness um and you'll be forced to so i see it a lot in physical bodies showing up with pain because it's like your body is desperately trying to talk to you and you're not hearing it um back pain i I get a lot of customers with back pain because i've had quite a history of back pain myself (laughs) hilarious funny that um with those stressful years in sky particularly and they come in and they're like they want to know all the stretches and they want to know all the poses and i was like yeah but you what like your stress levels are through the roof you're you're wound up you're going you might people tell me a fair bit as well in class but they might say you know what's going on in their life and I'm like okay until you start to deal with some of that that back pain is unlikely to shift you know you're going to have to start to unpack some of that so and I'm not a therapist I'm not a psychologist I send them to both quite regularly you know I outsource again to to people who can help be it acupuncturists like I have a raft of amazing people around here that I recommend um so yeah you just I, I suppose it comes down to priority and it doesn't have to be you know an hour a week if somebody can do five minutes a day at home online brilliant mm-hmm. if somebody can spend you know i always i got a phrase from sky years ago it was one small change one big impact so in seasonal soul we talk a lot about that isn't it not like you see on instagram 20 year old posting their morning routine could you ever feck off like somebody has four children they don't have time for that they barely have time to put on their underwear and leave the house like and sometimes that might not even happen so you know <laughs> Braless at the school gate, oh so God. like you know, so yeah. and oh having you know God. a mindful morning is laughable. Whereas you can say, look, can you drink your coffee on the back step? Can you just do that? Stand on your with bare feet on the grass and breathe while you're drinking your coffee, and just do that. Or can you get up five minutes earlier to do that? Not ten or twenty minutes, five minutes earlier. Um, so I do a lot of that kind of almost coaching around that sort of thing um, with people to say, look, one small change. One, and if don't try and take on 10 different things. Just do that. Just do that for two weeks and see how you feel. And then come back and we can have a chat about adding something else in if you want to. But often what happens is they were like, actually, that really worked. When can I sign up? <laughs> Where do I yeah. sign up? <laughs> we're in. www. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it. No, do tell us where, where to find you, where to sign up. Sure, it's www.ebbflowyoga.ie. Um, so Seasonal Soul starts again in October, so the doors will reopen for the year. Um, and initially people go, a year-long programme? That's too long. Um, but it's kind of, you tip away at your own pace. And I think it takes a long time to change habits, you know. It, you're not going to change the stress of 40 years overnight. Um, and then yoga classes are here in Trilly and online. Um, and I do lots of retreats and pop-up events. I'm very lucky to partner with the wonderful Ballygarry Estate and Spire in Tralee. So um, they have a fabulous ethos around um, sustainability and giving back and, and supporting local communities by you know employing people from the area. So um, I do lovely retreats there. I love one in October. So yeah, yeah, brilliant. I suppose yeah. just to finish on, I mean, intentions. I know from what I've read about you, you've always intended you want to leave the world a better place. I know that's yes. been something recurring in what I've read from things yes. you've written and and you really are. I think Thank that's what's so inspiring to talk to you because you, you're you reminding us what it is to be human mm. and to actually have an impact on other humans and we can all do that every, every day of our lives. We forget that, just the small interactions we yes. have. 
can make a huge difference. So yeah, thank you. You're you are making a big difference, oh, and thank and you. thanks for sharing. <laughs> running off again. Thanks. Yeah. No, but it's been and thank, thank you. you for sharing about your ADHD. It's I know that as I said, I think it's so important. We talk more openly these things are normalised, mm. and it will help people listening. You know, they might listen and resonate with it and think a bit mm. more about themselves. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, thanks guys. Cheers. <laughs> I want to get on my island now and have a go. <laughs> You're all I'll be kind to myself. I don't know.